Hello folks, my name is Maddie B, and you are listening to yet another episode of There's Too Much to Think. Um, Before I get too far into it, I would like to apologize for my unplanned hiatus. Uh, There were just too many things going on in my life at the time, and many of them being personal, and also my family's pretty busy during the summer months in general, so, you know. All that kind of stuff. Uh, there were, like I said, there were just too many things going on in my life. But now I'm back, and I'm back at school, and I am the type of person that thrives on a permanent schedule. So because of that, I now have a schedule, and I can update every Friday from here on out. So if not Friday, Monday, the latest. So with that, um, for those who are new here, which most of you probably are considering my hiatus. Um, I mostly do true crime cases. However, if you go through the catalog of whatever um, app you're listening to me on, some of the episodes you'll realize I have an occasional side tangent, either due to needing a break between the big cases or a holiday is right around the corner. Since it is officially October by the time this episode comes out, this month's episode are going to be spooky-centric before I get into the true crime in November. So, that will either be seen through haunted places or cryptids. Uh, Today, I have a cryptid special uh, for you called the the Wendigo. It's either called Wendigo or Wendigo. Uh, sometimes it's spelled with an E, sometimes it's spelled with an I. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Alrighty, folks, so... Before we get too far into what this creature is and where it comes from, let me tell you a bit about what it looks like so you get an idea of what we're working with here. Um, An author by the name of Hammerson Peters put together a collection of folklore and cryptid sightings in a book called The Legends of the Nahani Nahani Valley. Uh, In one of these stories, a Native American author by the name of Basil H. Johnston, or it might be Basil, described the Wendigo as, quote, gaunt to the point of emaciation. It's just desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones with its bones pushing out over its skin, its complexion, the ash gray of death and its eyes pushed back deep into the sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from a grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean, and suffering from superations of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption." So yeah, um, there are some, according to a article done by All That's Interesting, there are some stories in which the Wendigo, or Wendigo, it depends on how you pronounce it, because it's also spelled differently, sometimes with an I, sometimes with an E, as I said before. Um, it can either move really fast, or sometimes it moves really slow. Either way, 
it's typically described as 15 feet tall and looking like the actual embodiment of death um, with like ash gray skin. So like, not something you really want to like find in the woods when you're like, hey, maybe I should go on a wa- on a walk or hike or whatever to you know go on what 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 are they calling it? Um, hot girl walks or whatever. That's not something you want to find on your hot girl walk at all. So let me get into the history of the Wendigo um, and more about what its folklore is and why it looks the way it does. Alright, so let's get into the lore. According to a YouTube video done by PBS, the origins of the Wendigo originate from a Native American village called um, Palmiac in 1585 in what would now be known as North Carolina. That said, however, in a different video done by John Solo, he says the story of the Wendigo comes from multiple native groups, which were all part of the Algonquian language group. I am sorry if I'm butchering these names. I even, you know, spelt it out phonetically for myself, you know, listen to somebody pronounce it, and it just isn't, doesn't work, doesn't work with my mouth. So, anyway, Algonquian language group, which typically lived in the Great Plains, the Great Lakes, and the forest around the East Coast areas at the time. So, most of my other sources say the same thing, so we'll just go with that. It came from multiple different places. There's even, um, I think it's the Iroquois? It's either Iroquois or Iroquois something. Iroquois, I've also heard that it pronounced that way. Um, they they were a neighboring tribe, and, um that spoke like a slightly different language, like that spoke a different language. Um, And they came up with something as well called snow bears, um, which have something similar to the Wendigo. So even if you weren't part of this group, um, there were still some variations even outside of the group, of the language group. So, um, Most of my other sources say the same thing, so we're just gonna go with that, right? It came from multiple different places. So because of that, the description of the creature changes slightly, Um, but for the most part, it's described as what I've already said before. It practically covers it all. Though I will say that in in some variations, when it comes to speed, uh, some sources say that the Wendigo is fast while others say that it is slow and it kind of like staggers a bit that being said however the things the creature are associated with will never change that being death cannibalism starvation and winter so where do wendigos come from well according to all my sources the wendigo is a creature that started out as human, which makes the lore scarier, in my opinion. Um, the Wendigo started out as a person who, if, if 
you were to become a Wendigo, you started out as a person who was driven to the brink of starvation, whether that be through winter, which was often a common theme um, during that time when you just ran out of food, because that was some, like, that was just, you know, and they didn't have food stamps back then. Um, but, so either you were driven by the brink of extinction for that, or according to the YouTube video done by John Solo, it could also be due to the fact that you were just a shitty hunter, uh, which in turn, you're running out of food either way. So, either way, driven to the brink of starvation, right? who eventually had to, that person had eventually, in order to survive, had to turn to eating human flesh. Think Donner Party. In some sources, the story would get even more specific and say that it had to be the murder and cannibalism of your own kin. Therefore, according to the folklore, and to be honest, even today, if you don't see this as taboo, um, there might be something wrong with you. So, but according to folklore, the person would, because of this, you know, desperate act to survive, the person would corrupt their soul and transform into the emaciated monster that I described earlier, who could only ever eat human meat again and would keep eating and only care. It was like, it was like tapeworms. Like they just couldn't stop eating. So, obviously, this would cause the rest of the tribe to cast out this betrayer as not only, like I said before, was cannibalism rightfully grotesque and taboo, but how could you ever trust someone to have your back in the harsh winter when, at one point, they murdered and ate their family member? <laughs> you, you can't ever come back from that. Like, you can't ever look across, like, at your buddy Joe and be like, so how'd your mom taste when you like bit into her thigh? Like, you know, that's, that, that is gross. Um, so in turn, this creature would either have to turn to the woods where they'd slowly turn numb with the only thing they ever cared about was getting their next meal, or they would get hunted down, killed, and then lit on fire, as that, according to the lore, was the only way to truly kill a Wendigo because of how frozen they were. Even their heart at one point, um, which I don't think was in the quote, but it might have been, would have been frozen. And so the only way to truly kill a Wendigo was to light them on fire. So now if you look up like, if you go to Google and you look up the word Wendigo, um, or have seen any popular media, it's very likely that you've seen the image of an emaciated deer that stands on two legs and that has claws instead of hooves, right? And you're probably wondering where those details come in, as when I described it to you earlier, I made no mention of those details. Well, worry not, because that's about what I'm about to get into right now. Um, and I will tell you about all of that and where that idea came from in just a moment. All 
Alright, so where does the popular imagery come from? According to the same YouTube video done by PBS that I mentioned earlier, the idea of the emaciated, emaciated deer that stands on two legs actually comes from the movie Wendigo. Uh, Larry Fessenden, the director of the 2001 movie, actually co-opted the story of the Wendigo and merged it with a story from the book uh, from the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark version of the of the Wendigo. So he read the version from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark when he was a child, and then later he heard, like, so he decided he was going to take that and then make a movie out of it. So Fessenden's version was actually an adaptation of an adaptation. Um, Fessenden also admits that he did no actual research on the legend until after he made the movie, which, if you ask me, might be why the movie barely has 5 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Now, onto the sightings. Alright, so the sightings. According to an article done by Legends of America, there haven't been any concrete sightings as many, but there have been many trackers, trappers, and hikers who have claimed to see signs of the Wendigo in places such as Ontario and Kenora, Canada, um, even some places in Minnesota, and even some places in Montana. While the sightings have decreased, the height of which, like the sight, the peak of the amount of sightings, um, was the late 1800s to the early 1920s, and while the height of which, you know, seems to decrease, there hasn't been very many. There are still some sightings around that area now. An interesting thing about the Wendigo is, according to many of my sources, the effect the Wendigo has has even spread all the way to psychiatry. Now, this is where some interesting things start happening. So, the term Wendigo psychosis was uh, termed in the 1920s and 1930s, claiming that the idea of the Wendigo was instead a quote-unquote culture-bound mental illness, end quote, which caused native people to turn cannibalism, which if you ask me, reeks of racism. In the early 1970s, this term was brought into question as no one with this supposed condition has actually ever been studied, and as of today, not very many people, um, believe in this. Not very many psych- uh, psychiatric people believe in such a thing as there has been no real evidence of a psychosis actually happening. That being said, however, there are some court cases over the years that involved a person killing someone or sometimes multiple people for fear that they were a Wendigo. Wendigo. In the same article done by Legends of America that I mentioned before, there is the story um, that tells the story of a Cree fur trapper named Swift Runner. Keep in mind, this is a documented 
event that took place in the winter of 1878 to 1879. So this is a real thing that happened. Uh, Runner's eldest son was the first to die of starvation, as many Cree families were having a particularly bad winter. Um, Whether seeing his son die in front of him, the fact that the emergency food supplies were 25 miles away or for some other reason, Swift Runner actually succumbed to eating his son. And instead of attempting to travel those 25 miles, he killed the rest of his family, his wife and remaining five children and ate them. He would later confess and he was executed for his crimes in Fort Saskatchewan. Um, I believe he was the first ever hanged person in Canada. Then there was Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief and shaman. He claimed um, he killed 14 Wendigos in his lifetime. It got to the point that family members um, of the the sick loved ones would ask Fiddler for a mercy killing. One of Fiddler's own brothers was killed for quote-unquote going Wendigo um, when the food ran out during an expedition. In 1907, Fiddler and his other brother Joseph were arrested for murder. Fiddler committed, uh, committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to a life in prison. Joseph was ultimately granted a pardon, but died three days before in prison, so he wasn't given the news of his pardon. So, in the end, why create a story like this? Well, I'll tell you about that in a second. Alright, so why create a story like this? Well, as in the case with most legends, the reason these stories were created was to keep people safe and to warn people of the woods during harsh winters. Fear, being a powerful motivator, would make people share their food with others and create great food storages during the rest of the year so no one would go hungry and therefore venture out into the woods alone. And if one were to go into the woods alone, many would simply die due to getting lost or being consumed by the chilly elements. Thus, it was taught uh, people, it taught people to stick together and to never go out alone. Therefore, preserving their community. And with that, that is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Um, Like I said before, I am sorry for the unplanned hiatus, but I am back and in the swing of things. I promise you will get an episode every Friday, unless I tell you a week in advance if I have any plans coming up. But no more just sudden disappearances, that's for sure. Um, if you would like to support me in any way, you can go ahead and follow me on my socials at there's too much to think, um, on Instagram. And if you want to check out any of the sources that I have, um, that I haven't audibly said aloud, which I try to do most of the time when I write these, but in case I didn't, um, and you want to go check them out, all of the links are provided in the show notes down below. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful Friday or whatever day that you're listening to this on. And yeah, Maddie B, signing off.